because uh, we're going to have fun today. And uh, it's my custom to stand for the reading of God's word. So if you don't mind indulging me, can you stand? Everybody across the room, look at your neighbor, say neighbor. Come on, say it with some excitement. Say neighbor. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Uh, first verse that I want us to read together. It's our theme verse for this series. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. It'll be up on the screen. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. It says, work out your salvation. I want to read a different translation. The New Living Translation says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Somebody say results. Now one more verse. Zechariah 4.10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the work begin. For the next few moments, I want to talk from a message titled, It's Time for a Workout Plan. It's time for a workout plan. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to dream big, start small, and finish well. Give us a fresh start and give us a workout plan. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can grab your seat and grab your seat. According to the verses we just read, there, there are results to our salvation. There are results and things that produce out of our relationship with God. But how do we get those results? What are those results? What does that kind of life look like? That's what we're going to talk about today. However, before we dive in, I want you to realize that resolutions alone will not resolve the issues that you face in your life. Setting goals alone is not the solution to your situation, but hard work, working out your salvation can. Again, that verse said, work hard to show the results of your salvation. That's what this series is about. Believe for it to start the new year the right way, to become a new you, to have a renewed life. We're not just asking who will you be in 2023. I'm asking you, who will you be in 2028? Who will you be five years from now? Who will you be a decade from now? We don't want you to be who you are today. I want you to be so renewed, so transformed that if you happen, if it, if it were to work out this way, if you bumped into you at the end of this year, you wouldn't even recognize you. You look at yourself and say, who is you? I want you to be renewed. We, got, we want God to change us in that way. And we do that by creating a workout plan. Now, for those of you that just checked out because you like work, you said workout. When Pastor Mark said workout, I didn't like that. I don't like anything that sounds with work and out. I just don't want to do it. If that's you, a plan that you need for your life is not just the workout plan, but this plan requires us to set the right kind of goals, to set real goals, to set good goals, to set what I'm going to call God goals, to make our goals big and the steps to achieve them too small to fail. It's time for a workout plan. And if you want that, somebody say it's time. Because we're believing that this will be the best year of your life if it is your best year spiritually. Again, we believe this will be the best year of your life if it is your best year spiritually. I've been telling my wife, I've been telling my family, our students, and anybody else who will listen, this will be the best year of my life. This will be my best year spiritually. This will be my best year mentally. This will be my best year financially. This will be my best year physically. This will be the best year of my life. But let me first warn you, it's not going to be easy for us to become who God wants us to be. I've realized during my short time here on earth that it's going to take a lifetime for me to become who God's calling me to be. So see, what I've noticed is that it's easy to stay the way that you are. 
It's not difficult to stay the same. It's easy to keep bad habits. It's easy to stay lazy. It's easy to do anything but want everything. It's easy to let life just simply pass you by. It's easy to stay the same, but it's not easy to change. But it's time for a workout plan. So let's dive all the way in. God's word gives us simple steps for getting started. God's word comes with what I'm calling this workout plan. If you don't believe me, all throughout scripture, the Bible is filled with examples of God giving people fresh starts to begin his good work. This proves that God is a God of grace. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of new beginnings. He's the God of starting over. He's the God of beginning again. He specializes and takes, takes joy in giving people newness. It's almost too many to count the times God has given his people a fresh start. Zechariah 10, 6 in the message translation, it says, I'll save the people. I know their pain. I want to pause right there. Aren't you thankful for a God that knows and sympathizes with your pain? He knows all the pain you went through this past year and all the pain that seems to be leaking over into this year. It says, I know their pain and I'll make them as good as new. They'll get a fresh start as if nothing ever happened. Why? Because I am their God and I'll do what needs to be done for them. He'll do what needs to be done for you. He makes all things new. Aren't you glad that no matter how bad things are going in your life, he can make everything as good as new. He will do what needs to be done to give you and I a fresh start. That's how good he is. So I want to ask you, do you need a fresh start today? Maybe you're here and you feel like giving up. You feel like throwing in the towel. You feel like quitting. If so, you're in the right place because I want you to know that you don't need a new year to have a fresh start. All you need is a new day. Because new days come with new mercies. New days come with new miracles. Lamentations 3.22 says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. You don't need a new year. You need a new day. And he doesn't just do it for people in the Bible. He does it for us every single day. And today is that new day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the best day to start your workout plan. Somebody say it's time. Y'all didn't know y'all were coming to the gym today. It's all good. Number one, please write this down if you're taking notes. In order for us to start this workout plan, you have to stop making excuses for not starting. You have to stop making excuses for not starting. Ecclesiastes 11. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. If you wait for the right time to start, you'll never start. If you wait for everything to be in alignment, you'll never start what you're called to do. Maybe you even heard it said before, you can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. And I seem to think, or in my own life, I've tried to justify the two. I want to make excuses and I want to make progress and I want results. I want both but I have to stop making excuses for not starting. Have you ever been around people that make excuses for anything? You know, they just everything, everything's not their fault. You know, it's, I didn't, I, it wasn't my fault. I, I, it wasn't my fault. I was late. You know, it was a zebra on 231. You know, we just make up things. You know, people who are good at making excuses are really good at anything else except just making excuses. And I found that the biggest barriers to my own success are my own excuses. My own excuses. Excuses like this. I don't have what it takes. 
There are plenty of people in the Bible who use this excuse when God had an assignment for them. People like Moses, Jeremiah, even Gideon in Judges chapter 6. It says, then Gideon started making excuses. He said, but Lord, how can I save Israel? He, he sounds like us. He says, I belong to the smallest tribe and my family is the weakest and poorest family. And I'm the youngest and least important person in my family. Then the Lord replies, but I'll be with you. Here's the answer when you start saying the excuse, I don't have what it takes. You realize you're not doing this by yourself. Not only is God with you, but if you'll look around the room for a second, your whole church is with you. You're not doing this by yourself because you have to realize if all you have is Jesus, then you have all you need. We have to stop using the excuse, I don't have what it takes. Maybe this is what your excuse sounds like, but I failed before. I've messed up before. Let me just prophesy over some of you uh, real quickly. Let me just speak a word of encouragement over you. Are you ready for this word? You will fail. You will fail. You will mess up. Welcome to the club because everybody fails. You're not the first one and you're not the only one. Because in order to achieve greatness, to accomplish your goals, to, to get to any point of success in your life, at some point you will experience failure. We don't get any measure of success without failure. And we succeed by not stopping there. Failure is not final. And failure is not fatal. But unfortunately, a lot of us, when we fail, we, we, we develop a, a bad mindset and we choose to sit in our failure. And even though you failed before, even though you've messed up in the past, you are not a product of your past. You are not a prisoner to your past. God is far more interested in your future than he is in your past because he doesn't consult your past to produce your future. So if your memories are more vivid than your dreams, you're not starting, you're stagnant. You're stagnant because you cannot embrace your destiny while holding on to your history. I failed in the past before. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. Somebody say new. Maybe this is your excuse though. There are things I can't control. There are things, I probably should have added in parentheses, there are people I can't control. Where are my control freaks at? Any, any control? Uh, Y'all don't want to admit it in front of everybody? Like, don't call me out. There are things that are out of my control. Of course there are. Most of the things in our life are beyond our control. Therefore, we must realize that we cannot control everything, but we can trust the one who can. This is why we must learn to control the controllables. Pastor Will, what are those? Your attitude. I was going to say at that moment, look at your spouse and say your attitude, but don't do that. Pastor Wayne and Miss Kathy will see you for counseling. They're going to have a sign-up sheet in the lobby right after this service. Your attitude, your reactions. Your responses. Have you noticed that most of us, we react, we don't respond? You can control that. Here's another one. Your perspective, what you look at, how you look at it, how long you look at something, how you use your time, how you spend your money. We have to control the controllables. And here's a practical way for you to do that. Write down the things you can control on one side of a paper and write down the things you can't control on the other side of the paper. And with the things that you can control, you keep trying. But with the things you can't control, you start praying. Because you're, you're really not in control of everything except the things that you can control. 
especially as we're starting our time of fasting and prayer. Our time of fasting and prayer is the best time for us to realize, Father, there are some things that I can't control. Parents, you can't control your children. Husbands, wives, you can't control your spouse. You can't control your boss. We can't control the economy, but we can submit those things to God. Now is the time. It's time for a workout plan. Proverbs 24.10 says, don't give up and act helpless in times of trouble. During, during trying times, you have to keep trying. You have to keep trying. And when we do this, we stop making excuses for not starting. Here, here's the, the fourth excuse I want, I want to use. Uh, there's plenty, but here's the fourth one I want to use. And I hear this one every single year. Well, I almost. I almost. Hearing people say, I almost started. I almost finished. I almost, whatever the blank is. You know, we use almost to make failure sound like victory. We almost won, Pastor Will. It was one point. All the Auburn fans, one second, you know. <laughs> we almost. We use almost to make procrastination sound like progress. I almost finished it, boss. I, I, I almost did it. We're using almost to make standing still sound like movement. Almost is nothing more than untapped potential. Almost means you are close but not close enough. And here's the issue with almost. It's never satisfying. It's never rewarding. It's never fulfilling. It's never starting. I almost. We have to stop making excuses for not starting. Some of us, we're more worried, uh, and this is more probably for more of the young, the young people, but some of us in this new year, we were more worried about who we were going to kiss in the new year than kissing the old year goodbye. It's 11.59. I got to find somebody. God, send me a man. Please, Jesus. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you. Last year, we made memories, but this year, we make history. This year, we're believing for new things. This year will be the best year of your life if it is the best year spiritually. Stop making excuses. And consider this. Consider this for a moment. If previous patterns are a predictor of future practices, then it is safe to say that a lot of us, a lot of the people that are making goals at the beginning of the year won't be walking in victory at the end of it. Again, if previous patterns are a predictor of future practices, those of us who set goals in the beginning of the year previously won't be walking in victory at the end of it. Why is that? Because they never stop making excuses for their lack of execution. I almost started. I almost finished. We need to come to the realization of this. Point number two, goals require more than strength. They require strategy. Goals require more than strength. They require strategy. They require more than skill. They require more than desire and good intentions. They require more than grit and determination. They require a strategy. Somebody say strategy. Why? Because if you keep doing what you've always done, you will be where you've always been. Requires a strategy. That's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. We need a strategy. And strategy is a biblical idea. It's a kingdom idea. God had a strategy for, for humanity. God had a strategy for reconciling us back to himself, for us to live in accordance with his creative intent. He had a plan for us. All throughout scripture, God uses strategy. Let me show it to you. In the Garden of Eden, 
Satan deceived Eve into making a decision that was not included in the plans God had for her life. So just like Satan used a woman to break God's plan for humanity, God uses a woman, Mary, to fix it. That's a strategy. And she does it by giving birth to somebody, Jesus, who's going to bruise his heel by crushing his head. That's a strategy. Matter of fact, hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, God put in the hearts of prophets. He gave them revelatory insight and unction and impulses to be able to prophesy the coming of Jesus, that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. His name is Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, and the government will be on his shoulder. That was a strategy. Then God came in the flesh, lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death, buried in a tomb, three days later was raised from the dead with all power in his hand, revealed himself to his disciples, ascended back to the Father, then sent the Holy Spirit down to us and empowered us to live the life we were always intended to live. That, my friends, is a strategy. And in scripture, we often see before God ever does a miracle, he would give them a strategy. He would give them instructions. Before Jesus turned water into wine, he gave them instructions. That's a strategy. When Israel was making their exodus out of Egypt, he gave Moses a strategy. When Israel was going to conquer Jericho and Joshua came up against the impenetrable walls, God gave Joshua a strategy. And I want you to know that if you have God's word in your life, then you have a strategy for your life. You have a strategy. And you cannot say you don't know what your purpose is in your life when you have access to the plans and strategies of God at your fingertips. This is why we promote the YouVersion Bible app, because if you don't have a hard uh, a paper Bible or a hard copy of the Bible, we want to electronically put it in your hand. We have Bibles available for free. You cannot say you don't know the strategy for your life when you have access to the word of God. God is a God of strategy. He's intentional. He is strategic, and I'm so thankful he doesn't just give us any kind of strategy. He doesn't just give us the right strategies. He doesn't even just give us good strategies. No, 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 no. He gives us God strategies. Maybe you have goals to better your health this year. You want to steward your temple better. I know I personally do. Maybe you've made commitments, and you got a goal to drink more water, to exercise regularly. But hear me in this. If your goal doesn't also include a strategy to deal with late night temptations, and we'll know if, you'd, if you've, uh, you know, given into your late night temptations because that bag of Doritos is calling. We'll know because your fingertips will be orange. Like, we'll know if you gave into it. I heard a pastor say this one time. He was like, I got a problem. I do lines. He said, I go and I, I, go and I get the Oreos and I do a whole line. <laughs> I just, it's like, I can't just do one. <laughs> if your goal doesn't also include a strategy to deal with those temptations, to help you learn to handle yourself when you love your bed more than you love the results of the gym. If the workout plan doesn't include details that deal with discouragement and frustration when you're putting in the work but not seeing the results, then you are trying to accomplish your goals with strength instead of a strategy. Our workout plan has to include strategies to deal with that frustration as well as our results. Because if we don't deal with our bad habits, we will never see new results. It's time for a workout plan. You've probably heard this said before as well. If you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. 
If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's one thing to have a plan, but it's another to include in that plan a strategy to deal with the problems that are inevitable. Let me just tell you, we will not get results that we want without some kind of difficulty. We will face difficulty in pursuing our goals. We will not get the goals we want without being attacked by adversity. I promise you, you will meet opposition on the way to your goals. Resolutions are always met with resistance. Growth will always be tempted with complacency. We will always face something. So my question is this, which one do you want? Do you want another year or do you want a different year? Do you want the best year? Our resolutions will not become reality unless we include a strategy to kill the thing that tries to kill our dreams. We gotta kill the distractions. Our resolution will not become reality unless we remove the things that try to impede our progress, our results, and our goals. Somebody say it's time. Goals require more than strength. They require strategy. Because if, we're, if I'm honest, I don't have a dream problem. I don't have a vision problem. I don't have a goal problem. We have a plan problem. The truth is we don't have a routine. Number three, write this down. God's strategies don't help you to be a better you. They help you become the best version of you. They don't help you be better. They help you become the best the best version of you, not better than anyone else, better than who you currently are, the best version of you. I don't know about you, but I want God's strategy for my life. I want God's plan for my life. I want God's goals for my life. That's why it's time for healthy habits. It's time for holy habits. It's time for spiritual discipline. Here's why I'm telling you this. Healthy, holy habits lead to holy moments. If you take this fast serious on the 22nd, I promise God will show up in a way that's so unique and specific and holy and, and just beautiful. I promise you, if you take this time of fasting and prayer and intentionally, God will show himself to you. I've even said this to the students. I may have said it to you before, but I can't remember. I challenge you, read your Bible for the next 30 days. Just read it for the next 30 days. If it doesn't change your life, I'll give you your money back. But I promise you, just do it. Healthy, holy habits lead to holy moments. Spiritual maturity is a result of daily disciplines. I'll be honest with you. Do I feel like I sense God's presence every time I open my Bible? No. But because I do it regularly, the moments that he does, it feels special. I, as, as something different. I sense a closeness, a nearness. There is something special about healthy, holy habits. It's time. You should ask yourself, what kind of goals are you setting? What is my workout plan? What is God's strategy for my life? Because goals don't always have to be what you, what you want to do. You can have who do you want to be goals. Who do you want to be? I personally believe that God is far more interested in who you are than what you do. I believe he is far more interested in your character than he is your conduct. And we need to ask these type of questions. Number four, because every big thing we're believing God for, he does in small steps. Every big thing we're believing God for, he does in small steps. Psalm 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. He delights in every detail of your life. He knows the number of, numbers of hair on your head. He delights in the details. Lindsay used to say this a lot. Love is in the details. 
He delights in all those small things that you think are insignificant. He focuses on them. He, he watches them. He knows everything about you. He orders the steps of the godly. So often we think small and insignificant are synonymous. We think they're the same. But it's the little things that make the big difference. We, we, we think like this. Why do we need to go to marriage counseling for 30 minutes when we've been fighting for years? Why, why do we need to do that? Because maybe nothing changes at first, but maybe after that third or that fifth session, you might find a breakthrough. And then all of a sudden, that 30-minute investment in marriage counseling doesn't seem like a waste of money because it's bringing you together and you're finally communicating. You're finally talking. But you have to see that the big thing God is wanting to do starts with small steps of obedience. See, victory isn't one thing. It's a bunch of small things continually repeated. Bunch of small things continually repeated. I can imagine, I mentioned it earlier, but Joshua, you know, he's like, shout at the walls after you walk around them seven times. We don't know exactly how big it is. I mean, you know, some scholars have given us that, given us ideas and stuff. But I could imagine certain people got to, you know, you get to walk around number five and number six. You're like, bro, really? You get around to number six and number seven. And I could, I could imagine people are like, and we're going to shout. Like, like, ah or like like what, what kind of you know what kind of shout I, I could imagine but it's the small acts of obedience the issue is we want big manifestation but we don't want to do little things we want big miracles we don't want to we don't want to pray every day we don't want to read we don't want to read the bible every day but we want big results god i need you to do a big miracle and you don't want to do the little steps. We want giant leaps of faith, but God takes small ordered steps. Have you noticed in your Bible, he walked everywhere? Never in haste do we read in the Bible says, and in haste, he grabbed his garments and dashed. Like we don't, it doesn't say that. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy walking. Take small, ordered, intentional steps. We want things fast, but God does everything on time and in season. It's the kind of God he is. So I encourage you, everything you want in this life is in the Bible. You got to read it. All the results you need for this life is in the Bible. He has given everything we need for godliness. The life we want is in the word. So what little things could you do to improve your life? Because if I'm being honest, maybe you really don't want, maybe you don't want this. This isn't one of those messages where it's like, oh, I feel good. It's starting a new year. I can climb this mountain. No, this is, these are the steps that are going to help you climb the mountain. We want to live from victory. We want to live from mountaintop to mountaintop. We don't want to talk about climbing the mountain. Maybe we are content with complaining about the life we want. Maybe we want those things, but we don't want to do the things necessary to get there. Maybe we want the big things, but we don't want to do the little things that's necessary to achieve it. So I want to give you four guidelines for goals. I believe these are going to help you. Four guidelines for goals. Number one, you got to choose it carefully. Choose it carefully. Things like exercise, tithing, eating right, church attendance serving, Bible reading, prayer, fasting. Choose things that will positively impact other areas of your life. Again, Pastor Mark even mentioned it earlier. Fasting has dietary benefits. 
choose things that benefit other areas of your life. Here, here's, here's why you need to read the Bible. A person who reads the Bible one, two, or three times a week will have life change, but a person who reads the Bible four or more times a week will have significant life change. This is based on a study done from Bible Engagement Project. They said someone who reads the Bible more than four times a week is 256% more likely to share the gospel than those who don't. Just by reading the Bible. People who read the Bible are more likely to give. Hello. 70% less likely to look at porn. 70% less likely to get drunk. Giving goes up 200% if you just read your Bible. Choose things that positively impact other areas of your life. Choose it carefully. Number two, spell it out specifically. Spell it out. Be specific and set clear boundaries. Don't just say, I'm going to eat better. What does that look like? I'm only going to eat grilled chicken and fish, Pastor. Like, what does that, what does that really look like? Well, I'm only going to eat baked potato chip. What does that look like? Because how will you know if you're doing that or not? How are you going to scale it? Here's another one. Don't just say, I'm not going to text while I'm driving. Because you can email while you drive. This generation is smart. They scroll on social media while they drive. They utilize stoplights. They're like, you know, and then they got to, you know, beep, beep, you got to go. <laughs> I'm just picking, guys. It would be better to say this, though. I'm not going to touch my phone while my car is in motion. Spell it out specifically. Instead of saying I'm going to the gym every day, instead of saying I'm going to exercise every day, why not just say, no, why not just start with one exercise a day? Why not just start there? Because I promise you, if you got up tomorrow, tonight, you said, Pastor Will, I'm going to do push-ups every single day. By the time you get down on the floor, you get on your knees onto the floor, which is humbling, might I add, and you do one push-up, you're like, you know what, that wasn't that bad. And you'll probably do two, three, four, maybe five, you know, overachiever, you know, whatever you got to do. But make your goals too small to fail. Don't say I'm going to read for 30 minutes a day. Say I'm going to read one or two paragraphs a day. Just start small. Number three, track it diligently. Track it diligently. If you're not keeping score, you're just practicing. If you're not keeping score, you're just practicing. Keep up with the progress. I'm a, I'm a three on the Enneagram for those that appreciate that. I keep score all the time. I want to win. I have to win. I, I got to keep score. I'm so competitive with myself when I was doing the, the push-up thing. That's what I started with. I've been doing those push-ups. Sometimes I'll lose count. And I'll be like, I don't know if I'm at 10 yet, so I'm going to do nine twice. Like, I'm, I'm that competitive. You got to keep score. You have to have data. You got to write things down. What am I eating? How much do I, do I weigh? What did I read? What is my screen time? I'm just being, I'm being really transparent with y'all. I'm not a gamer at all. I bought a Nintendo Switch over Christmas break. This was my reintroduction back into being young again, just so I could decrease the screen time on my phone. I'm just, tr I'm trying to do small things that lead to big results. Write down when you work out, write down, schedule your quiet time with God. Write down your date nights. Write a page a day in the book that you're writing. Schedule it. Number four guard it aggressively guard it aggressively 
fight to keep the small thing going. Don't let anything interrupt your progress. You can skip once, but try your best not to skip twice. You can skip one time, but try your best not to skip, skip two times because missing twice is habit suicide. We all do it. We miss a Monday, I'll start on Tuesday. We miss Tuesday, I'll start again next Monday. Then we miss that Monday, I'll start again next month. Then we miss that month. And now here we are again, the second week of January. It's time for a workout plan. It's time. Somebody say it's time. It's non-negotiable. Guard it aggressively because the temptation we have is to try to live a life of perfection. And I promise you, you're not perfect. You're not. But it's time to get started. Number five, it's always too soon to quit, but it's never too late to start. It's always too soon to quit, but it's never too late to start. Psalm 145, 14, he gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. He gives a fresh start. There's never a right time to start, stop, but it's always the right time to start. It's always too soon to quit, but it's never too late to start over. Don't start this year off with bad habits, with bad mouthing, with bad thinking, with bad vision. Start this year off right. And trust me, I get it. The two hardest things to do is to start and to finish. Two of the hardest things. But the hardest part isn't doing it, it's starting it. But if you don't have a starting point, all you're doing is staying put. We have to continue to start. Got to start somewhere. Lastly, I want you to write this down. Because if you don't start, you can't finish. If you don't start, you can't finish. Psalm 51.10. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Who do you want to be at the end of this year? Where do you want to be at the end of this year? 